Welcome to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Once again, I find myself thinking as I look out this window at the city of Seattle from the station here, what a fine day it is to take your dog for a walk. Eric, would you agree with me? I would absolutely agree with you. One of these days... We're always on the same page on that one, I I know. One of these days you might throw me a curveball and disagree with me. We've had some stormy days where I thought, (laughs) maybe maybe just wait a little while, because even on our stormy days, we usually get a little window of time that people can go out. Well, sometimes it isn't a great day to take your dog for a walk, or maybe you're sick and just can't do it, and that might be a good day to play a nice game of find it inside, like where you hide treats around the house and let your dog, you know, sniff around something really easy to teach your dog. Or you could go to the website Dognition, which gives you lots of um, games that you can play with your dog that teaches you how your dog thinks. Now, see, I'm afraid to let my dogs use the computer, so (laughs) uh, I'm just worried they'll scratch up the touchscreen. Well, I think there's passwords and, uh, you know, little settings like parental settings. So, you know. Um, oh my gosh, I saw the fu- one of the funniest cartoons, dog cartoons that I've seen in a while today, uh, or yesterday I saw it, and it was um, this image of a dog. It was kind of like a business office, and the dog, there was like this big corporate leader looking dog that was like, um, tentative, tentative, I said tentative, don't mark your calendars yet, and then it, it had these dogs like around this conference table lifting their leg on calendars oh okay tentative date oh my God. i laughed out <laughs> loud when i saw that it is so funny i posted it on our facebook page so if i'm not um effectively giving the that might be more of a visual yeah. one i'm gonna have to go take a look oh my you, you gosh my interest i was dying and i'm still giggling about it every time i look at it well, I thought it was going to be dogs in a corporate setting. The punchline was going to be about it being a dog-eat-dog world or something mm, like that. Mm-hmm. Nope. But no, this is a slightly more clever. No, tentative. Uh, don't mark your calendars yet. And the dogs are all <laughs> peeing on their calendars. So funny. Well, today we have the pleasure of having our guest in the booth with us. I have Tracy Campion with me, who is the, um, she's a journalist and is the, author of the column for the examiner.com Seattle Pets Examiner and has also newly taken on the National Pets Examiner column. Column, Tracy, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. So um, Tracy and I met um, through a help project, which I have talked about on the show um a number of times I've had Michelle Nichols, who's the founder of A-Help, on the show um, for a few interviews and uh, the you know mission really supporting pets and people through the end-of-life process. Really great work. And Tracy's on the board for A-Help. So will you tell us a little bit, um, just to take this opportunity to talk about A-Help and the work that you guys do? Sure. So I first heard about A-Help through uh, an email that was sent to me a few years ago, and I wasn't really sure what they did, so I went to one of their holiday parties and had the chance to meet the people who were involved with this organization, and I was really uh, awed and inspired by the warmth that they had when approaching end-of-life issues, Mm -hmm. things that I hadn't necessarily thought about. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Michelle Nichols, uh, the co-founder of A Help Project, has um, been uh, really helpful uh, personally when my own horse, uh, Misty, was approaching end of life. She offered great support and, and options and because of her direct guidance when it was time to say goodbye to Misty, it was not as difficult as it could have been. Yeah. Um, because she'd gotten me to to ask myself those important questions and, and prepare for the path of least regrets and have an idea of how I wanted it to look. And, and yeah. fortunately, I was able to follow that through. Mm-hmm. Um, but A Help Project is an amazing organization because there isn't one of its kind that um, – provides those same services where they provide support to people whose animals are nearing end of life or who have increased care needs and they just don't know what options are available for them. And they work um, with uh, a veterinary team and provide um, basically hospice care just like you would mm-hmm. with um, with the human uh, patient. They provide yeah. the support. It's such a hard time to navigate. So many of us have been through this process. I know myself included, which is what connected me to a help project was like, oh, you know, I, you know, went through this with my dog back in 2009, my first, you know, my first dog who was mine, you know, as an adult. Um, And it is, uh, you know, every situation is different. And to have an organization that provides support for people as they navigate this process, whatever that looks like, or however long that process is, um, to really just bring as much ease as possible for both the human and the animal. And to, you know, if if it's a matter of, you know, if it's a situation where, um, you know, they need to make a decision about euthanizing, you know, having support as far as when, because it's... Right. The, well, you know, and, and knowing that you're making that decision out of crisis and that right. you've you've planned for it and yeah. and that it's something that you'll look back on and say I made the right decision for them and for me. Mm-hmm. Great conversation to you know to to be having with the the dog loving community. It's a, an important part of living with pets and a reality for for the most part where we outlive them and you know it's kind of part of the deal and so it's a really great that people can have this con- this hard conversation and talk about these very emotional topics and and really bring them in a way that helps to ground people in the process and really support. So the website is ahelpproject.org and uh, uh, check that out if you are, you know, in need of some support especially or if you're interested in, um, you know, supporting the organization. It's ahelpproject.org. And that's how I met Tracy initially so Tracy is a. Uh, you have two master's degrees, I one do. in primate behavior, specializing in communication, which is super fascinating. I could probably do a show only on that. Um, although this is the dog show, uh, and then a master's in journalism, which you've more recently completed, and you um, are the Seattle Pets Examiner, and then recently have um, gained a National Pets Examiner column as well, and so. I just thought it would be really fun to have you on the show um, and talk about some of your stories. Now, how can people find your column? Um, they can Google uh, Tracy Campion, Seattle Pets Examiner, and and that'll come up. Okay. You can also go to examiner.com, which is kind of the mother website for it is. this. Yeah. And then just Google Seattle Pets, and you'll come up that way too. Yes. 
So just a lot of interesting. I mean, we are connected through social media and I've seen your stories come up and there's just a lot of opportunity for some really great conversation. Now, what started you wanting to write? You know, what got you connected being, you know, inspired you to be the Seattle Pets Examiner? Like, oh, I'm, you know, obviously interested in journalism. You just got your master's in journalism. So why why pets? Well, I've I've been a lifelong animal lover. Um, I was that kid that brought home the the stray everything, including the neighbor's stray horses. So um, I I kind of took it to the extreme. But I've also um, had a lifelong passion for writing. And so I thought that the two interests dovetailed beautifully. And there's also um, pets aren't aren't just. Um, something that somebody keeps in a doghouse in the backyard. They are our family members. And so a lot of these stories resonated with um, people that I knew as well as a larger audience. And people had questions and concerns. And this was a really great way to get information out to people and to help um, network animals that needed to have a home Mm -hmm. and get information out there about um, pet food recalls and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we've got, you know, I've, I've pulled just in looking at your columns on under Seattle Pets Examiner. I mean, I just had to go back a month and I was like, whoa, that's super interesting. That's a really important conversation. Oh, that brings up a lot of about this and that and all that. So, um, you know, we're going to talk about uh, a woman who recently passed away and in her will, she asked for her dog to either be euthanized or sent to a specific rescue, which kind of brings up some questions about, you know, well, you know, oh, if I die, I'm just going to have my dog euthanized too. I mean, that sort of brings up some conversation. Um, Fur coats at Costco that were like made out of raccoon dog. Uh, What's going on with Purina is one of the articles about um, some issues with, uh, potential, some of their food causing sickness. And this is a topic not unfamiliar to this show for sure. Um, We've talked a lot about food over the years. And if you're a new listener to the show, you can find all of our episodes archived on our website, which has just gotten a makeover, dogradioshow.com. You can also go to iTunes and download all of our over 300 episodes for free. And you can also get all of our episodes New episodes are posted to our Facebook page directly as well. So that's a really easy way for people to listen. You can just click on the link through the Facebook post and it will start playing through SoundCloud as well. So there's lots of easy ways to listen to the dog show. Uh, there is an organization called Saving Our Seniors that we'll talk about. Uh, there's a story, a more recent story about some uh, the fact that Petco is... Um, removing all treats that have been uh, made in China, and that brings up a lot of opportunity for conversation. So we'll be getting into all of these topics and more during the show. I'll be talking with Tracy. She's the one who wrote the stories. She's got a ton of information about these. And uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, um, we will get into these stories, and then uh, we'll also close with um, some more um, uh topic near and dear, especially to Tracy's heart, which is um, rescuing and adopting pets who are not easily adoptable. And um, a story, the dog that no one else 
wants. Um, so we'll be talking about that too. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You were holding the greyhound in track number one. Your white coat was shining in the afternoon sun. Hey, Dog Show fans. Does something stink in your home or car? Pure Air is a powerful odor eliminator that is the only natural food-grade product in its category. It works on bedding, kennels, litter boxes, urine, vomit, poop, even skunk spray. You know, all the fun smells our pets bring into our home. It's so non-toxic that you can literally eat it, a requirement for our home and our dogs. Spray Pure Air on anything you can put water on and let your nose watch the odor disappear. Ask for Pure Air in stores that specialize in natural, non-toxic products for home. Or visit DogRadioShow.com for a link to their website. I'm Julie Forbes, your host of The Dog Show. Pure Air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to BioClean, the people who clean up the mess, we cover the world of animals. This week, January 18th, it's Vet Sunday with Animal World's favorite vet, Dr. Bill Burlingame, in the studio. He's the most balanced and knowledgeable vet I know, and we'll have open phone lines throughout the show so you can call in and get his opinion or advice for free. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Outside the box, outside the norm, inside your radio. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And we're back with Tracy Campion, who is the author of the column Seattle Pets Examiner. You can go to examiner.com and search Seattle Pets. You could also just Google Tracy Campion, C-A-M-P-I-O-N, and Seattle Pets Examiner, and you can find her that way and her column. You are a prolific writer. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. I mean, since we talked a few weeks ago, it's like there's pages of stories that, you know, so I'm like, whoa, you are writing. Yeah, I, I do enjoy it. Um, it's it's really exciting when a story takes off, especially a story that is a feel-good story. I recently wrote about um, a boy who found a dog out in the woods that was um, r- near death, and he just left his bike there and carried the dog mm. more than a half mile home. And so, when a story like that takes off, it's really um, it's it's life affirming, but it also shows you that you're not the only one that has these feelings about animals. That animals yeah. really their stories really resonate with a lot of us. Totally. I mean, we have such a strong emotional connection to dogs and pets, and they do bring so much to our lives. So so speaking of, let's start off with this one. The the woman a woman's will asks for a dog to be euthanized and thankfully or sent to a rescue group. And so the since we talked, the dog it sounds was actually 
um, did end up in the rescue and not euthanized. But tell us a little bit about the story. So when this woman passed away, she had stipulated in her will that she wanted her dog, whose name was Bella, to be euthanized and then have their ashes commingled. Um, And the ethical question that this raised was the dog was um, nine years old, relatively healthy. um, And so euthanizing him uh, outside of crisis or um, when he, he wasn't in any pain was something that a lot of animal advocates had a problem with. And I understand that somebody might worry about their animal after they have passed away, but making a plan for them in the event that you pass away before them um, is something that a lot of us really need to think about. And so fortunately, her will also said, or he could be taken to Best Friends Animal Sanctuary in Kanab, Utah, and that is where he was taken. Mm. And so my guess about this woman is that she just wanted to ensure that either he went to one of the best places possible mm-hmm. or she didn't want him in, in a questionable situation, which we, we all want the best for our animals. But yeah. when it when it's a situation of euthanizing the animal because you're no longer there, then you're running into ethical issues and and most good veterinarians that I know wouldn't want to euthanize an animal that there was really no medical reason to do so. Mm -hmm. Well, and it brings up something that we'll actually get to with a different story. Um, So, but I think your point for this one, and this was what I thought of too, about, you know, having a plan, because what if you do suddenly, you know, something happens and you die before your pets do? You know, what's, you know, having, you know, talking to your community, whether it's friends or family or, you know, and having a plan in place for them so that they're not, they don't end up who knows where. Right. Well, and so often when you're reading the reason why an animal ends up at a kill shelter, it's because the owner has passed away and they haven't made any provisions for their animal in the event of their death. And it is a terrifying thing to think about as somebody who shares their life with animals. Mm-hmm. And so having having those difficult conversations, even if you're relatively young and healthy and, and don't think that that could happen to you, you, you do need to prepare for your animals mm-hmm. and, and make sure that that's not where they end up. Yeah. And we, I know we have that, we have, you know, we've had that, those conversations with friends both ways, you know, and agreements and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, the dog is at Best Friends he is. Animal Sanctuary. What kind of dog is it? Do you know? I believe he was a nine-year-old German Shepherd. Okay. And that worked out, and, and that's great. I think, oh, I remember the thing that I thought of, too, is that if you die, you know, dogs experience grief. They do. And it's, you know, I just worked with a woman in my um, private training business that she has a 12-year-old dog who was her daughter's dog and her daughter passed away and she now has her dog and you know she's having some challenges with the dog but I just you know I can I just feel you know it's hard for it's hard on the animal it's hard enough on the animals because they totally experience grief and you know I think it's hard enough for them to adjust to a different home and experience the loss that they're feeling, let alone go through a loss like that and then end up somewhere super stressful. Right. So, so 
just a good thing to think about, even if you are young and healthy. You just never know what's going to happen. You really don't. So having a plan in place for your pets in case something does happen to you is really important. So do think about that. Okay. Now, again, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Tracy Campion, who is the journalist for Seattle Pets Examiner column and also the National Pets Examiner. You know, is that up and running? It is. is. That, it is. Okay. Yes. And how, And what is that one called officially? Uh, just National Pets Examiner. National Pets Examiner. Yeah. Okay. Seattle Pets and National Pets Examiners. You can find both of her columns through examiner.com and just search for Seattle Pets or National Pets, or you can just Google her name, Tracy Campion, Seattle Pets Examiner or National Pets Examiner. Okay. Now, what is this deal with fur coats at Costco that were made out of some sort of dog? So this was actually a tip that I received from a reader, and they were concerned about jackets that had been marketed at Costco that people thought that they had raccoon fur, which I think is bad enough. Gross. But when when people looked into it, it was raccoon dog, which is actually a canid. So just just like dogs, coyotes. Where foxes. were these coats being sold? They were being sold at Costco's in Canada, and ah. they were um, produced in China. Okay, and then what ha- did are they still being sold or did- as as far as I know they're still being sold and people don't realize so when you think animal fur people don't think about what goes into that and so there are of course a lot of ethical issues with that because dogs are farmed throughout right. Asia. Yeah, any animal for fur is in is just is farmed just like a livestock right. would be for meat. Right, yeah. exactly. And so the the issue that was being raised, a lot of the people that were selling these coats even thought that maybe it was faux fur. And so when investigators went and looked at the tag, and I had photos of the tag in the article, it said raccoon dog, which, again, is not a raccoon, it's a dog. Mm. And those of us who live share our lives with dogs would never in a million years consider wearing dog fur or eating dog meat. And that's what's happening in a lot of countries that are outsourcing products to the United States. They mm-hmm. contain products that we we would never consider using. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a weird one there. And I didn't even know that a raccoon dog existed. Right. So. Well, and, and I didn't either um, in, until that came out and somebody said, hey, you might want to look into this. Mm-hmm. And, and I did. And Is there, um, is Costco... Catching some flack about this on any sort of noticeable level? Not that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the people that were on site at the time were horrified because they didn't realize that it was basically dog fur that was on these jackets. Costco. Come on now. All right. So that's bizarre. Strange. Gives me the creeps. Whether it was raccoon or dog, I mean, I just wouldn't really want to have any sort of animal fur because I know the treatment that they get. And regardless of whether it's a pet or considered a cute animal or what, it's really an ethical question of the treatment of animals. So so that leads us to another article, which I certainly have some thoughts on and, you know, really brings up a lot of topic of conversation and questions. Now, there was a story about um, a stance that PETA took that animals were better off dead in some cases than 
living in shelters. Um, so tell us a little bit first about this story. Well, basically, PETA made the statement that they thought that it was better for animals to be euthanized rather than staying in uh, shelters where they weren't getting the attention and care that they deserved. And I much more closely follow the um, the mindset of, of the no-kill advocates, no-kill Lane County, no-kill uh, nation, um, where the, the problem is not that they need to be euthanized. It's that we need to rework the system. Animals need to be um, marketed better. There are a lot of excellent shelters out there, but then there are also a lot that just basically warehouse an animal for 15, 30, 60, 90 days, and they get minimal attention from any volunteers. And then, of course, they just fail to thrive because they're not getting that socialization that they need. Mm -hmm. And so in that instance, really what we need is not um, more euthanasia. It's it's better systems. We need to have more aggressive spay-neuter. We need better education out there to explain to people that – um, it's it's not okay to let your animal have just one litter of animals so that somebody can experience, you know, the joy of life because that means that even more animals will be euthanized. And so yeah. it's it's really having a paradigm shift in how we approach um, animal care and not necessarily in euthanizing animals that have ended up at a shelter through no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who it was who I talked to, and I think it was on air, and it was years ago. I'm trying to remember who it was, but I was having a conversation about, sort of about this topic, and shelter, you know, shelters, and and the person very clearly said that the the no, it was John Rogerson, I think, who's a um, expert in training and behavior. He's a British guy. I think that's who it was, but I might be wrong about that anyway. And that was during a seminar. Um, that the shelter system doesn't work the way that it is right now. You know, the answer is not more shelters. There's four or five million, four million plus pets that are euthanized every year because they have nowhere to live. That's a reality. That's a lot of animals every year, millions um, so opening more shelters isn't the answer, um, you know, and to your point, really looking at like, well, what is causing this problem of overpopulation in the first place? And that's what really needs to be addressed. Um, you know, I have to say personally that, you know, I have seen some shelters that, you know, are the source of content of nightmares, you know, and in that situation, I would say those animals are better off dead than living a long time in those shelters because they are horrific. And then there's lots of rescues and shelters that do a great job, you know, and and that's not the case. But so I kind of can, to a, to a degree, understand their stance personally, um, you know, I don't, you know, given the millions, you know, the magnitude of animals who are euthanized every year. Um, but then I think, you know, again, to your point, like, well, well, let's look at the system and what's not working and what needs to change, you know, not on the tail end as far as how do we manage these, but how do we transform 
the state of overpopulation in the country in the first place. Right. And I know I hear that so much like, oh, well, yeah, but we're just we're not going to spare because we want her to have a litter of puppies. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the the. The, back, no. <laughs> the backyard breeding and the people that do that, they, they really don't realize how much they're feeding into the problem. And basically it's it's animals that are in shelters won't get mm. adopted because other people, you know, everybody thinks a puppy is cute. And so obviously, you know, you have all these puppies, they're more likely to get adopted than an older animal who's just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting in a shelter. Mm. Which brings up a topic I've talked about on the show, puppy mills. Right. Four million, more than, every year euthanized. And yet we have essentially factory farms producing, churning out dogs legally. Blows my mind. Right. Blows my mind. And the conditions that these dogs are kept in. Oh, my God. Um, there's a there's a reason why these puppy mills are out of public sight because um, reputable breeders will let you go and meet the the parents and see where the animals were mm-hmm. raised. But puppy mills, these are often transactions that are done on Craigslist uh, in a parking lot yeah. where you you don't get to see where they came from because these dogs are living in uh, cages stacked one on top of another. Um, in the elements, 24-7, all they're used for is breeding. They have no socialization. Mm. Um, one dog that I wrote about, uh, a very special dog named Pablo, who was rescued by an org- organization called Rescued Hearts Northwest. He came from a puppy mill, and he was actually so heavy when he was rescued that he couldn't even walk on his own because mm. he'd never walked, and he'd just been in a kennel. Yeah, I've worked with dogs um who were breeding dogs at puppy mills. And um, there's one in particular, I'm thinking of her name is Summer. I think she's a Bichon and, uh, or a Bichon poodle mix. And she had never walked on grass before. I mean, and, you know, and that was a long, her, her, um, the people who adopted her were just angels and just gave her the time that she needed. And, you know, the dog was really able to transform, but it took a long time because she had lived in these conditions for like five or six years. And all of a sudden she's, in the world that she's, you know, in a in a big world that she's not, ne- you know, I mean, it's just nuts. It is. Well, so. and, and to think about all these animals that are wasting away in in shelters and then other people are just mass producing dogs like it's like it's a rotator belt of of animals. And I mean, we really need to crack down on these places and mm-hmm. and outlaw it if possible. And continue to educate the consumers. Don't buy dogs at pet stores. Don't, you know, anybody can make a pretty website and say that it's a family, you know, family run, small, you know, only a few litters a year, blah, blah, blah. Put up pictures that don't mean it. I mean, it's really, really easy to scam. Right. And if someone's just going to th- send you a dog from Missouri or Iowa or wherever they typically are. The Midwest is especially known for puppy mills, but they can happen anywhere for sure. I did an interview with um, um, ACDRA, um, the cattle dog folks with the Blue Moon puppy mill bust. And so sometimes the puppy mills are not necessarily like these big factory farm type, like USDA type things, but they're actually cases of mental illness where some somebody has, you know, 70 dogs on their property that are 
standing in two inches of urine and feces. And I mean, it's just nuts. So, I mean, there's so many different ways that this can look. So it's really important as a consumer to also not support this industry because that's ultimately what keeps them going is just money. Right. So I don't know. It brings up. That brings up a lot of conversation about the shelter systems, you know, protecting these dogs from suffering for years on end. And, you know, what can we do to transform the system so that this isn't such a problem in the first place? And it's a big I mean, this is one of the biggest ones, I'd say, you know, the the puppy mill overpopulation is one of the biggest problems in the world of dogs in this country. So. um, okay. So let's move on. This one that I, of course, caught my eye says, what's going on with Purina? Um, so what, what, what's going on with this one? Uh, this was another reader tip. And somebody posted uh, on Facebook and said that they were concerned about um, pet illnesses and deaths from Purina pet food. And I had no idea that this was going on. Um, I had heard, of course, about Chinese pet food treats and and how those had been the center of concern for quite a few years. And so when I looked into this, there have been um, not just with Purina, but with quite a few commercial mm-hmm. pet food companies, um, deaths and illnesses <clears throat> that can't be attributed to anything else. And there's actually somebody that I'm in contact with right now where the FDA is investigating. It's a it's a cat death, but um, they have been unable to find any reason why this otherwise healthy cat has passed away. They've performed a necropsy. They're sending out tissues. They're sending out food. And this really opened up my eyes because uh, I hadn't necessarily thought about commercial pet food in that way before. But the ingredients that that are in pet food, um, I know, Julie, you were talking about just the the low quality that Mm -hmm. a lot of these companies have. And we, and I'm guilty of this as well, uh, unthinkingly um, c- kind of give this to our animals because these companies market their products very well. And, you know, you have pictures of happy animals on the bag and you give it to your animal. But this really is making me rethink why why I'm feeding this to my animal and, and what mm-hmm. should I feed my animal. And um, websites that discuss this, like, um, is it the truth about Pet food. Truth about petfood.com. Susan Thixton, who I've had on the show a few times, she's yeah. on it. Yeah, those yeah. are really great resources for mm-hmm. people that that might want to know more more about what they're feeding their pets. Yeah, you know what was a great book was a book called Pet Food Politics by Marion Nestle, and it took um, took you through the sort of blow by blow of the big pet food recall from 2007, I think it was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll read this book because I need to get the information and it's going to be kind of dry, but whatever. It was like drama. I mean, you know, it, it, I, it like gripped me. It was very, very informative, but I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, oh, you know, all these things that were going on, you know, behind the scenes and this and then this and then this to kind of cover it up and blah, blah, blah. You know, pet, the pet food industry exists to make money off of the waste of the human food industry. So there's very little regulation about what they can say on the bags. All of these big, big brand foods, you know, like you said, Purina is certainly not the only one. Other brands as well. Um, 
<clears throat> that are very much entrenched in the institution of veterinary medicine, very unethically. I had on Dr. Michael Fox on the show back in November of 2009, who spoke to this directly from his experience. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's, I, I don't trust the the general pet food industry as far as I can throw it, you know, that expression. So um, there's a lot for people to know. The, the good news is that there's a lot of people talking about it now. Way more, you know, every time there's a recall, every time, unfortunately, animals have to die to right. get in order for it to get the attention that it really needs to be getting. Um, and that, to me, is unacceptable and totally tragic. I mean, I can't if I can't imagine you know, some of these stories that you have or quotes that you have. Um, let's see. What was this one? My cat was given a bowl of salmon pate. My daughter heard a crunch sound and the cat refused to eat. Blood came out of her mouth. She wasn't able to walk or move. She threw up and couldn't move out of the vomit. Paralyzed, died soon after. You know, and there's a lot of stories that have this similar, you know, like animal ate the food and then they start like vomiting or convulsing or acting nuts or, you know, right afterwards over and over and over again. And the thing that's interesting to me about this, which is another thing that I do not trust at all, is they'll be like, oh, we have not we've you know, our studies have not linked anything to these deaths. It's like, well, what you know, who's funding the studies and what are you looking for? Well, and and the vice president of Purina actually contacted me about this and said that they have not had any other reports. And I said, well, have you read what's online? Because this is certainly not an isolated incident. And to have so many similar incidents happening after consuming a product, it it would make me wonder. Um, I mean, yes, it's anecdotal, but they people are having this investigated now. And this one poor woman that I've been in contact with, it's it's heartbreaking because this was a beloved family member mm-hmm. and they thought that they were giving their family member high quality food and the animal suddenly became sick and died in their arms on the way to the vet. Mm-hmm. And Purina <clears throat> has not answered this to, to my satisfaction or to most people's satisfaction. They've basically just said there's nothing to this. Well, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but this, the, I mean, animals are, are getting sick and, and dying from from something. It's easy from a scientific perspective to say, oh, that must, you know, you think that just because these two things happened at the, you know, one thing happened to the other, that they were related. But it could have, you know, very well could have been something else that happened. The 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 animal had an underlying health condition that da 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 right. da, da. And it's like, well, I don't, you know, that's a great cop out, I think. Um, you know, and I'm I'm a science I have a science degree and I'm you know, I've interviewed plenty of scientists on the show. I love science. I think it's fascinating and super valuable. I think in in a lot of cases, though, especially in talking about industry, you know, money making industries, how they can use they how they can kind of cop out on that. Well, well, it's not proven in research. So this anecdotal evidence I mean, I almost cringe at that statement now because it totally yeah. invalidates people's real experiences. And when they add up like this, you can't ignore it. Exactly. Well, and and I am trained as a scientist as well. So I understand 
that correlation does not mean causation. However, um, situations like the the gal that I'm in contact with where they have found no underlying health concerns, no other practical um, reason for this animal to be sick, um, that to me is pretty strong evidence that uh, something else caused this animal's death. Yeah. Well, and this, so I've, I mean, really, we've had over 300 episodes. I've done a number of them on pet food. I've interviewed Susan Thixton. I've interviewed Dr. Michael Fox a number of times. Um, Different companies um, that I like and trust, um, especially Natural Pet Pantry, which is one of our sponsors. They're a local company. Um, Dr. Donna Kelleher. Um, you know, lots of there's lots of information about pet food from from this show. And then also um, truthaboutpetfood.com is a great resource for people to check out if you're wanting to really have your finger on the pulse of what's going on. Because Susan Thixton is on fire. She had a dog die of uh, I think it was bone marrow cancer. And um, she was told that it was because of the food she fed. And she's just been on a rampage ever since. So and that brings us to. Um, you know, the re- really recent story of um, the fact that Petco is removing all Chinese-made treats from their shelves, which is overdue. Um, great that it's happening. Um, but that kind of brings up some, uh, you know, just because it's not made in the USA doesn't mean it isn't sourced from China, right. you know, that the ingredients don't come or that they can't still be contaminated with something or other but it is a big for me that news hit me as a a good step anyway so yeah it's it's definitely a step in the right direction we still have pet products out there though that it says made in the usa but that doesn't necessarily say the the country Mm -hmm. of origin of the of the products that go into the food the labeling laws or lack of uh, regulations or lack of for pet food is really really something. And I've talked about this, the labeling specifically, but like the statements that should have some sort of regulation don't and words that nobody would think anything of, like the word with or the word dinner or the word meat. Yeah. I don't don't know if it can get any more vague than that. Yeah. Meat and bone meal does not specify what kind of meat for a reason. So it's like, oh, my gosh, you guys, what are you putting in? What what is actually in this food, let alone the chemicals, the preservatives, the, you know, And then let alone the processing. And I say, you know, all the time, even the best dry food you can find, it's still brown pellets. I mean, that's not really nutrition either. So anyway, it brings up a lot. So I'm talking with Tracy Campion, who's a journalist. Um, She runs the Seattle Pets Examiner column as well as the National Pets Examiner column. You can go to examiner.com and just search for National Pets or Seattle Pets, or you can just Google her name, Tracy Campion. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with more. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Pure Air's powerful formula lets you eliminate pet odors safely. It's strong enough to effectively get rid of smells like urine, plus stronger odors like those that can be caused by illness. 
Pure Air is safe enough to spray directly onto people, animals, or use in the bath or laundry. Pure Air is perfect for dealing with dire situations, refreshing your dog between baths, or just before company comes. Pure Air is the most effective product you can buy to remove stinky pet odors safely. Find it at stores like Mud Bay, McClendon's, and Natural Pet Pantry, or visit their website, pureair.com. That's pure, A-Y-R-E, dot com. I'm Julie Forbes, host of The Dog Show. Pure Air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice. JetCityAnimalClinic.com. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.SensitiveDog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's Dog Behavior Training and Nutrition Specialist, www.SensitiveDog.com. Ahead of the Talk Radio Curve, naturally. Alternative Talk, 1150. Starting to know these songs, Eric, now by heart. <laughs> Makes you want to sing along, right? Yep. It's Well, I just did with that little one, that little ditty right there. Um, you do such a great job. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So we're back with Tracy Campion, um, who's a journalist and is the um, was it author of. Is that what you say about columns like this? Or what do you say? The writer? I'm just writer. Writer. Yeah. Seattle Pets Examiner and National Pets Examiner. She's a prolific writer and has two very successful columns. You can go to examiner.com and just search through the website for either National Pets or Seattle Pets, whichever you are interested in getting to, or you can just Google her, Tracy Campion, Seattle Pets Examiner. So we went through, if you've missed any part of this show, you can find it archived on our website, dogradioshow.com, or you can download all of our episodes for free from iTunes. And I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our show partners, Natural Pet Pantry, Raw and Cooked Food Diets for Dogs and Cats. Naturalpetpantry.com is their website. You can see all of their wonderful formulas for dogs and cats that are available. Great nutrition since we're just coming off of a conversation about pet food and the dangers of highly processed big name pet food. Also Pure Air, and that is Pure Air, A-Y-R-E. That's how that one's spelled. You can go to pureair.com. 
You can also look for their product. It's an odor eliminator. So you can not only spray it in the air, as the name implies, but really for any surface that you can put water on. Workout clothes, around the litter box, you know, certainly bedding um, on the animals. It's a totally food grade, non-toxic, you can actually eat it product. So, um, you know, I love that. Not only is it actually really effective, um, it's also completely non-toxic, which is super important. Um, any, any odor issue that you have, I'm telling you, this stuff is awesome. Pure air is what it's called. Check it out. And then Jet City Animal Clinic in Seattle on 12th Avenue, Capitol Hill, right near Seattle University. Dr. Anderson does a great job there. If you're looking for a wonderful, attentive, and open-minded regular vet, Jet City Animal Clinic is wonderful, and she will work with um, your, you know, any alternative practitioners that you're using as well, as opposed to against them, which unfortunately some vets are like that too. So JetCityAnimalClinic.com is their website. So Tracy mentioned, well, you wanted to... um, send some shout outs. And then we're also going to talk about a story that involves you and your husband personally, and that you are hopefully bringing in a new pet into your family. And that you, you know, your one of your passions is helping animals who are not the easiest to adopt. Um, so why don't we start with that? Um, you had a story, the dog that no one else wants, and you kind of talk about yourself. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Right. So um, with with my columns, I've only ever written two personal stories. And when you write about yourself, it can be extremely vulnerable and make you feel very much um, exposed to criticism because it is more it's criticism about you, not necessarily about the topic you chose to write about. But um, I felt like this was something I needed to share. And um, so in June of 2013, I actually broke my pelvis and my sacrum in a bad horseback riding accident. And my husband and I had been saving up for a down payment for a home so that we could get a dog. And we watched that money go away. And it it was, um, even with great health insurance, very expensive. Mm. And so... um, We've we've been saving up again, and the idea of getting a dog is very exciting for both of us. But we don't want, you know, the the cute cuddly puppy that that everybody wants. We really do want an animal that might be harder to adopt: a, a senior dog, a black dog, um, a dog with anxiety issues, or a dog with three legs. And um, as the um, home buying horizon has gotten closer and closer, we uh, I actually. Got very excited, and I contacted a rescue about a dog that was available, and we did put in an application. And so that's that's been something that we've been really excited about. And, and this is a three-legged dog with this, severe separation anxiety, This is right? a three-legged dog who has severe separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. She's also a black dog. Um, so you get them. Is she old as well? She's, um, they think, between five and eight, okay. probably closer to eight. You hit all your categories. I did. Then. And and we met her and we fell in love. And so, mm-hmm. you know, fingers and paws crossed mm-hmm. that, that it goes through. You know, I have um, the countdown to when we would be able to adopt her. And, and um, I actually have uh, a week that I've dedicated um, to getting to know her in February if we are able to adopt her. Mm-hmm. But it's, 
in passing, when we've talked to people about why we want to adopt this dog, I have so many people saying, why an old dog? Why a dog with three legs? Why why a dog with anxiety? And and my answer is, because she has these issues, I love her even more. Mm. Because I see the value in an animal that other people might not necessarily see value in. Mm. And and it, it makes me even more excited to make her a member of our family. Yeah. And I know you, you're very, you know, and I share this as well. Anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've, we have a final refuge dog from old dog Haven who, you know, she's 10 or 12 or something like that. And we got her out of the shelter. You've done a lot with uh, saving our seniors, another organization that does similar work. Yeah, um, so um, that, that was my first big story was a dog from uh, Saving Our Seniors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think get it, you know, if you're considering adding a a pet to your family, you know, consider adopting an older dog or, you know, the, the maybe not the most obvious choice if you're up for it. You know, if you have the time and energy to put into it, it really is a wonderful thing to do. Um, so I think it's great that you, you know, share that about, your you and your husband and and your intentions in doing that and hopefully inspiring other people to do the same thing it is very rewarding for sure i want to make sure that you have time to say say your shout outs and your thanks and then to tell us a little bit about what's coming up on your editorial calendar for 2015 yeah um well i guess my my shout outs can go along with my editorial calendar okay. um but a few people that i wanted to thank um dory henriksen who has helped me with articles about animals that are missing um, Lori Hardman, who works with college dogs, and she takes dogs to campuses where um, students are stressed out or where there's been a crisis. And mm. I hope to be working with her um, more closely in the future. And then organizations that I'd like to write about, um, Old Dog Haven, as you mentioned, Saving Our Seniors, which is an excellent organization. They really need um, more foster homes. Um, Perfect Pals, which specializes in in senior and special needs animals. And, of course, a help Project, which is near and dear to my heart and mm-hmm. providing support to um, people whose animals are nearing end of life or who have increased care needs. Mm. Well, wonderful. All very wonderful. Look forward to reading your articles. And um, now people can follow, like, follow you so that they get your, your new posts automatically? Yeah, they, they can subscribe to my column. It's it's free, and you just click a, the little green button that says subscribe um, I'm also on Twitter at TL Campion, and I'm also on Facebook, Seattle Pets Examiner. Fabulous. Well, and as are we, um, Facebook, The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And um, again, all of our episodes are archived on our website, dogradioshow.com. It's recently gotten a makeover, so check it out. There's a lot of great new stuff, blog, favorite dog videos, and all sorts of great stuff, So, as well as all of our over 300 episodes Um, You can listen from your computer. You can also go to iTunes and download all of our episodes for free. And uh, they're also all posted on our Facebook page, too. So thanks so much for being on the show. It was wonderful to have you here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. And we'll be back next Wednesday, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. 